This is episode 100 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 100 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Yeah, that's right. I just said it, 100. I can't believe that we're already at 100. Uh, Hasn't even been two years since starting the podcast. So thank you so much to everyone who's been supporting and listening along. It's been consistently growing and uh, it's been really great to connect with so many people. Uh, Today, I have an awesome episode for you with Austin Mulder. Austin's a really, really sharp guy, very technically savvy when it comes to renovations. So we get into all kinds of reno hacks. Uh, He did a case study on a fourplex that he just created out of one unit and he fully gutted the property. He talks about all the different things that he did to make that property great. He talks about the things he did to separate utilities, um, how he structured this investment so that it would be something that he would want to carry and hold in the long run, which is a a philosophy that I have whenever I'm renovating something. I always just take that approach. If I was going to keep this long long term, what would I want to do with it? Of course, we don't always do everything because there's very much cost prohibitive things that we could do that we probably won't. However, I like to take the reasonable actions to make any property great that I work on. And uh, we really dig into some of those fundamentals today. Further into the episode, we talk about the fundamentals of commercial lending. So Austin actually works for BMO. He worked in commercial lending up until recently. And uh, he talks about the fundamentals of how you can grow with unlimited growth. And he's actually been very helpful to a couple of people who have been on this podcast in helping them grow their portfolio uh, to a very extreme degree. So it was really interesting to talk to him, uh, get those fundamentals down and and dig into it a little bit. So I'm confident that you're going to enjoy this if you have aspirations of growing your portfolio beyond what typical residential lenders are going to be on board with. As always, if you're new to this podcast, I recommend you do go back to the beginning and enjoy and gain value out of all the guests. We've had so many great ones on here, right? since the beginning and all the content is relevant to today it started right back in february of 2019 so uh, still very relevant content and uh, if you haven't already please leave a like uh, subscribe and hit the notification bell on youtube if you're listening on the podcast platform i would greatly appreciate it if you would leave me a five-star review on itunes apple Podcasts. please share this far and wide i'd really appreciate it so without further ado please enjoy episode 100 with austin Mulder. here we go hello and welcome to the andrew hines real estate investing podcast i have austin Mulder on the show and uh, i've known austin for quite some time he yep. was a frequent member of our meetup and uh he's now finally on the podcast austin thanks for being here thank you uh yeah i think i actually went to every single one that you put on did you yeah, yeah well they were still going yeah they were awesome i, I missed so. that miss human connection yeah no it, yeah and thanks for having me on and thanks for doing this i know it's helped me immensely as far as growing my network but Probably the yeah. same for a lot of other people as well, too. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. And, you know, without dropping names, there are several uh, successful real estate investors that you've actually been able to help from a mortgage standpoint. Yeah, uh, through commercial lending and whatnot. Yeah. So and those are connections made through the meetup. So that was yeah good. And we were able to come up with some some nice lending solutions for several people. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is, yeah. uh, well, we're going to talk about your real estate. I, I yeah. I remember when you invited me out to see one of your uh, your conversions. So you took a, a single and turned it into four units, I believe. Yeah. So we're actually just finishing that one up. It took a little while to yeah. get everything off the ground. Um, COVID had a had a hand to play in that. Um, but well, you had to do a minor variance on that one, right? There was a minor variance, um, uh, lot coverage, minor yeah. variance, and then also maneuvering room yeah. on one of the parking spaces. So I, I yeah. think you remember seeing it. Um, the parking space that we that we fit in there yeah it's incredible that we even got it passed okay (laughs) because it's just snuck right in behind the house so yeah just to break this down for people who don't understand the minor variance process so so the city has a requirement for number of parking spaces and you didn't quite meet their definition so you're trying to get it through well we're close yeah so you need to get a special approval for that and the same thing for for the lot area uh you said lot coverage you were over your coverage yeah substantially over it actually so the the house occupies about I'm going to say probably 80% of the lot. Right? 80% of the lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and some, some of your uh, listeners might be familiar with the house because I know that there was several other investors that were looking at it when I was yeah. on the market, right? <laughs> there was probably a few people who listened to this and watched this that were bidding on it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that uh, um, didn't get it. No, exactly. So, <laughs> this, but it, it required a lot of work. We, we actually yeah. gutted the entire house um, yeah. down to the double brick. So on these old century brick houses in Hamilton. Yeah. You're familiar. They're constructed with essentially 
two layers of brick. Yeah. And then the floor joists are, are set in the brick. Into the brick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one of those. Right. Yeah. So we took everything out except for the stairs, the floors, and the walls. Yeah. So right. you re-insulated, rewired, did everything. Yeah. And yeah. we did a we did a pretty cool insulation detail. Um, this yeah. is we're planning on have, having this, and I, I guess I should say who who we is we is. <laughs> yeah. So I work with my cousin Mitchell. Um, yeah. We've been working since my fr- second house that we purchased together, and we kind of work hand in hand. He's very uh, skilled when it comes to renovations and managing projects and whatnot. So he's generally working on a lot of the sites and okay. managing trades and whatnot. And then I'm dealing with financing, acquisition, yeah. uh, planning, design. You work do some of the work on the I weekends. Do, too. I do. Yeah. Oh man. I remember walking in there. I'm like, wow, this looks like fun. A lot of work, Yeah, <laughs> but fun. Um, you know, I love walking into those old houses and you're just like, how am I going to make this work? That's one of the most fun things for me because it's profit and creativity in one. Well, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, um, that was, this was an excellent example of a project like that. So we were trying to figure out, okay, we have the, and this is generally how we approach most of our projects is find something that's underutilized and add value. Yeah. Right. So we were looking at this and we're like, well, it's a 2,600 square foot house. How do we take that and and create more units? Yeah. Right? But also do it in a way where the units are nice, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're safe and people want to live in them. Well, right? yeah. And you want to get like your fire inspections, make sure it's all done right. I think exactly. you did proper fire separa- separation between yeah. all the units. Yeah. We go above and beyond mostly not for fire, but for sound. Yeah. Because right? you don't want to... You'll lose your tenants if, if there's not good sound separation. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyone that has been doing this for any period of time, the number they'll tell you that the number one complaint they get is sound, mm-hmm. right, from tenants. So we actually went even a step further and removed all the duct work in the house. Okay. Uh, and we did ductless mini splits everywhere. You did ductless mini splits. So yeah. no, no central furnace. There's then. no central furnace, no central AC or anything. Yeah. Because that's one of the major culprits of sound transmission. It's through the ductwork. It's yeah. through the ductwork, right? Mm-hmm. And you, it allows you to separate the power a yeah. lot better so now you got yeah. separate electric so what's what's common is there any gas in the house there is gas for the um, hot water for the hot, hot water yeah. so we did on-demand hot water mm-hmm. um but aside from that like yeah. the heating air conditioning uh all of that's on the on the tenants now yeah. right so it's and it wasn't even that much more expensive because we had to rejig all the duct work if we yeah. were going to keep it anyways right so you found your uh your uh hvac tech uh locally or is this a friend of yours so we, he was a referral. We actually ran the line sets ourselves. Oh, for the power? For the, the refrigerant lines. Oh, you ran the lines and he just came in and charged them? And they charged them and yeah. hooked them all up, right? Okay. I didn't know you could get, get into that. I guess all that has to happen is they need to be willing to, to they, uh, certify We just needed right? to find someone that was willing to actually connect them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and the They're reason... touchy about these things sometimes. Yeah. So the reason... Yeah. I, I don't know if it's something that we do again, but the reason that we did do it is... Um, there's a lot of head units in the house and that would mean a lot of line sets running on the outside of the house. All right. So, so let's go through this. So a ductless mini split is that unit on the wall, which you control with a remote, you set the temperature, it can do heat and it can do cold. It works like a air conditioner in the summer and it works in reverse, uh, in the winter. It's very impressive actually. Like how, how efficient these are. They are quite efficient. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess I, let's let's go to basics. Is there only one outside condenser unit for the entire house? No, there's three. Three. Yeah. Okay, because I just saw a house that had only one. They had they had the wall units in every single room, but they only had one actual yeah. condenser unit outside. So depending on the manufacturer, you can get them up to where they'll run five indoor head units. Okay. On on one condenser on the outside. Yeah. But you'll get you'll get like large. They'll get larger as they go. Yeah. Right? yeah you need a big space outside for them. Yeah. Uh, okay, we so actually you've got mounted three. it up on the wall. Okay. Of the house. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, we don't have a lot of lot space. You have no space. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't we didn't want it going somewhere where a car was Efficiency. supposed to be parking. Right. Efficiency. Okay, so so um, for those who aren't familiar with these, the the one concern with them is if it gets really cold outside, they they struggle a little bit with heat. Yeah, uh, you can get ones that are more efficient, like up to like minus twenty five, which would be a pretty extreme day here. Yeah, in, these in, ones seventy five percent efficiency up to minus thirty. Okay, so you're yeah. you're doing just fine on those. So yeah. it'll still heat. You're not going to freeze up, you know, unless we get minus fifty for ten days straight or something like well, that. Well, exactly. And yeah. it, to to deal with yeah. that scenario, we put supplemental baseboard heating. 
Oh, okay, know? so you yeah. have just-in-case heating if needed, but that'll stay off for, for the most part. Yeah, for the most part, it's not like baseboard resistance heating uh, is not super efficient. Um, Probably more super inefficient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we have it there, so if one of them conks out, oh, I gotcha. they have yeah. the ability to... But they are pretty... Like, there's a good warranty on these things, right? Yeah. So, but we just looked at it and we're like, the electricians are there anyways. It's 50 bucks basically. For oh them, yeah, no, I don't one. blame you. I have them yeah. in one of my houses. Uh, it's like an old, similar to what you're describing in the loft. I have baseboard heating mm. up there because the ductwork doesn't actually go up there. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why that house doesn't have air conditioning is because the ductwork is just, it's older. Um, but yeah, some, sometimes you want to have that just as a supplement. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong, but people like buyers kind of freak out sometimes when they see it. But at least if they see those ductless mini splits, they know, oh, okay, you're yeah. fine. And the tenant's paying the electric. So. so we have to explain that to the yeah. tenants is that, that that wall unit is incredibly efficient, yeah. right? Um, that's just in case. This is just in case. Yeah. yeah, we'll leave that off. You leave that off. Yeah. The, this is only if you get minus 50 and you need it. And um, we also insulated the crap out of this house. Right, so they're yeah. not even really going to need it. No, exactly. Um, this is the best of both worlds when you get into an old century home, which is beautiful, and then you got the inside, which is the part that you don't want, and uh, just redo it. Yeah. Do it up modern, but you yeah. have that character. Like, I've been talking to, to my wife about it. Like, we wouldn't mind building our own just like that. Like, yeah. no, one, no one builds houses like that anymore. I'd love to. No, I think it'd be it'd be it'd be really sweet to build like a double brick house and then yeah. build it to today's efficiency well, standards. Well, it doesn't right? even need to be double brick, but as long as yeah. you got that outside and like the nice uh, the nice arches over the windows, like yeah. the, the the soldier what do they call soldier courses? Yeah, it's a soldier course. On, yeah. On that. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Listen to me and a little terminology. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just to touch uh, briefly on the insulation detail that we did mm-hmm. is, and this is actually the cheapest. Did you spray the walls? No, no. So spray foam like. Cheapest you get is about four bucks a foot. If depending on the R value you're trying to get. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we came up with a detail that was two inches of rigid foam. And okay. we we were able to do this because we were reframing the whole inside of the house. So you, you did rigid foam right on the brick? So continuous R ten rigid foam. So two layers, so that's R twenty. Well oh, oh two layers layer, to get R ten. One layer of two inch rigid foam, R ten. Okay. Yeah. And then we did our framing okay and then you stuffed it two with... by four t- on 24 centers mm-hmm. not load bearing so we can do 24 centers mm-hmm. and then we then we did our four our 14 bats in there okay so, so you got we, yourself to uh our 24 our 24 so two inches gave you our 10 yeah and then you did the rest with with bats yeah so it's our, our 24 but it's also a truer r24 than if you were doing a two by six framed wall because well, it's they call the it continuous bridging they call it continuous uh, insulation, so that's newer building code. They want you to have a continuous piece of insulation. So with studs, you actually have breaks in your insulation because yeah. a stud isn't really considered insulation. So that's why they want that piece to go outside of it. Yeah. So this is what your your uh, engineer, well, not your engineer, but your designer called for. Yeah, well, I don't think technically we needed to go to that level because it was no. a retro fit, right? Right. Like it was a renovation. Um, but we, if you're going to keep it, it's not a bad idea. This is our philosophy yeah. is, is we're looking at building something that we'd like to have in our portfolio for 30 years. Yeah. Right. So we'd like it to be built so efficiently now that it's going to stand up to efficiency standards in 30 years. Yeah. Right. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And, uh, I can't say that, uh, that I do it any differently. Like I, anything yeah. I, I buy, like I don't really like to flip much, but even if I do, I just want it done right. Like, yeah, so the cost on that detail too yeah. was was cheaper than spray foaming at our at our fourteen. Yeah, right. So the cost on that detail now this is pre COVID, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the prices have inflated yet, but um, was it a buck sixty a foot on that detail? Buck sixty a foot. Yeah. Okay. For both yeah. both of the layers total insulation. insulation. Yeah. I like how you've broken it down. I used to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I just look at the global cost of things and I kind of average them out. Like I yeah. was, I'm all all about finding shortcuts to figure out your costs. Well, and that's yeah. so insulation isn't isn't a small expense in a large no. project like this either, right? So nope. if if you're able to save fifty percent on that or even yeah. more, right? It's a it's a good way to find some cost savings, and you can do the same thing with flooring, maybe not lumber right now, but other things, right? Yeah, I again love those problems. I yeah. mean, I, when I was doing the one of my more recent projects, and I had the vaulted ceiling. I was trying to figure out, okay, am I going to do spray foam on the deck, or am I going to do bats with creative little channels? So I made these creative little channels for airflow that yeah. basically out of cardboard and little uh, pieces of strapping. 
to just create, you know, a one or two inch channel for air to flow up. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. So that'll preserve my roof and it'll, uh, it'll make sure that uh, my roof and insulation system works together properly. That's something that's really important to do anytime you're finishing even loft spaces. Airflow. Right. Is you need to make sure that the, otherwise your, your shingles are just going to roast. Yeah. I've seen shingles that only lasted six years. A house that I bought, they literally had it on the listing. They're like new roof in 2010. I bought it in 2016 and the shingles were curling. I'm like, your shingles yeah. lasted six years. <laughs> There's something wrong up there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so again, I just love learning about that stuff. So I, I would get talking to my insulation guy. He's like, well, you know, here's how you should do that. And man, I've learned so many things from that guy he's helped me help me to do things so much better and more efficiently yeah i believe it so yeah. there are there's definitely a time and place for spray foam but it is yeah, it's pretty expensive yeah, and, and, yeah. In, a, in an application like yeah. that there are little foam things that you can get to sit in the joists that naturally do that and yeah I baffle think you could, vents yeah, baffle, yeah yeah and i think you could spray foam on over top of those but sure yeah. Yeah. Well, so he would say, and now we're dorking out, but I'm okay with this. Um, he <laughs> this, would, this I love this too, by the way. <laughs> he would say, spray the deck. Don't worry about it. If you insulate it, you won't get that hot pocket underneath the roof that yeah. heats up the shingles. So if you sprayed the bottom of the deck, he, he actually has told me you don't even need airflow. Really? Um, but I would usually find myself, you know, in a situation where I'm not spraying the whole thing. So then I'm going to have parts with bats. So I make sure I have continuous airflow. Yeah. Um, for anyone who doesn't like this dorking out, don't worry about it. We're going to get back to talking about, <laughs> yeah. about real estate. I like mixing it up, though. Uh, and I think it's cool to have, like, you're very hands-on. Like, I know you were in there, um, you know, talking about the nuts and bolts that go into making a house really great. Yeah. Um, so let's go through some of the things that you did. So maybe if you if you have pictures of it, uh, fire them to me. And I yeah, might, we, can, we can share them here. I might um, overlay them on the video um, as, as we're talking about them. So uh, two and a half story, right? Two and a half stories. So okay, uh, there's a unit in the basement, unit on the first floor, unit on the second floor, and unit in the yeah. in the third floor. And now, you did a hallway on the one side, uh, or a stairwell on the one side that's fully fire separated, so you can yeah. walk all the way up to the top yeah. floor. So there's a couple, like a couple of other details that we did to just kind of go above and beyond. Like we did staggered stud framing in that hallway. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's another, I can send you a picture to insert here so mm-hmm. people can see what, what we mean by that. But it's just another sound attenuation technique yeah. uh, whereby you're separating the drywall, decoupling the drywall yeah. on either side. Creating dead airspace. Creating dead airspace yeah. so that when people are walking up that hallway. Don't hear it. You're not going to hear it while you're yeah. trying to watch a movie with your girlfriend or whatever yeah right it's so critical um i have one house that the furnace room is right next to a bedroom and the guy's just saying oh we can't sleep every time that furnace comes on it's so loud yeah i uh i went in and i just stuffed the whole wall with uh rock salt yeah because it was all open on the inside of the furnace room and then he's like yeah it's like a million times better i love coming up with those solutions yeah exactly yeah. right and it's it's fun yeah uh, i mitchell and i both really enjoy it yeah um we'll we'll have our little uh speed brainstorming sessions whenever yeah. we have a problem and it's just both of us on site and we'll hash out every single possible yeah. solution and usually within 20 minutes we can come up with what we're doing right? yeah exactly but yeah okay so um that's how we had it divided up luckily this the the third floor loft uh like to the, the half top story floor, on yeah, the top the floor story, yeah uh it's framed in a in you know in such a way that the ceiling rafters don't start at the at the floor level it's okay. framed up oh okay a little bit so it's even right? more than a half story there yeah so like in in certain parts it's a little bit more than yeah. half. are story. there dharmers in that i've been up there yeah. but i don't remember yeah there's a couple <laughs> yeah. well it's 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 kind of like a it's not your typical two and a half in hamilton yeah. It's a little bit more more of a square, less than a rectangle. So there's some interesting roof lines on yeah. it, which lended itself pretty well to putting a bathroom, okay. bedroom, and yeah. So what, yeah, it. what do you have in the top floor? Because usually the top floors are pretty tight. Yeah, so we actually have a, a full one bedroom, uh, a three piece bath with a stand up shower. Um, do you have like a slope ceiling in your shower? Yeah. No, no, no. We were able to yeah. orient it in such a way where it's a full shower. Yeah. But the bathroom uh, vanity doesn't have a mirror. <laughs> so you have to look because that's where the, the vanity <laughs> falls on that, right? So that's that's the one thing. And then another uh, interesting thing that we had to sort of solve for was the kitchen is just a bank. Uh, there's okay. no uppers. No uppers. Okay. Yeah, yeah because you it's can't because the slope. slope. Yeah. yeah. Now, this was another problem that we had to deal with was how do you vent a, a stove? 
Yeah, you can do slope. it with like a bathroom fan kind of event. So the issue is, is that the CFM, like you're maxing out, and again, we're going to get nerdy on on <laughs> details here. <laughs> I like it, <laughs> yeah. but the CFM on bathroom fans, unless you're spending like an insane amount, like usually maxes out around 200 CFM. Yeah, right. Now we have a gas um, stove? stove up there, right? Really? Okay. And on a gas stove, you typically need uh, 100 CFM per 10,000 BTU. Okay. Right. So we're, it's a 24 inch gas stove. Um, but that being said, you, you still want at least like 350 CFM. Yeah. So I found something that I could kind of recess into the uh, rafter space yeah. and then built a box around it. And it actually looks looks pretty decent, um, okay. surprisingly. And it's a 390 CFM that I got for, uh, I think it was like 300 bucks. If you uh, if you remember, send me a picture of that. Yeah, I'll send you a picture <laughs> of it. Yeah. So we just our yeah. tapers finishing that up right now. Yeah. So I just we just covered it in drywall. We might do a nice wood detail around it, but we're not yeah. sure yet. Yeah, they're uh, one of the guys that works for me a lot. He always says this: if you can't hide it, accent it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I always remember that. I always throw it back at him. I'm like, well, we need a solution here. Yeah. What kind of accent are we going to throw on that? <laughs> um, yeah. It's, fun problems I, I never had really so much fun in business as i did when i started renovating houses yeah um i don't know not everybody maybe relates to that but i certainly think no, it's cool. we, we enjoy it and that's yeah. kind of why we do this is yeah. to, for freedom and enjoyment so yes yeah. so you you ended up redoing your um your windows as well right windows and yeah. doors all new yeah um shingles no we will be redoing those okay the shingles are fine um i just don't like their color okay <laughs> I've actually ripped shingles off for a color. Yeah. yeah. It didn't fit yeah. with what I was doing. So we went and we yeah. replaced every single wing- window in this house. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the oh, yeah, <laughs> referral yeah. for your yeah. uh, window guy, Andrew Belanger. Shout out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we re- replaced everything. And then, so the windows are black. It's like your typical black windows with the red brick. Yeah. It's really nice. Oh, it's um, a really nice look. Yeah. But all of our fascia and troughs and uh, soffits. Soffits are white. Fascia and troughs are brown. You want that black too? Yeah. (laughs) So you're going to convert that all? I'm also not a fan of the aluminum work that they did. Like it's it's not it's not fantastic. Um, That's probably going to be next year that we do that. It's not essential for the appraisal appraisal that we're going to be getting shortly. Well, they're going to look at what you did on the inside and they're going to say, okay, exactly like that. So and the curb appeal is still there, which is the black windows. But I would like it to be. The, mm-hmm. all the soffit and yeah. fascia to be black it gets really expensive when you go colored windows i, I, don't, I don't know how much more expensive it I think was it for added 15 percent for us 15 percent yeah. yeah did you do like grills and all the windows as well or grills like the uh grids of no lines? no yeah. uh in hindsight i'm i might have yeah 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 um they, they do add some some you know nice character to uh to a place yeah and, and we're obviously working in hamilton we're pretty big fans of the character that Hamilton has, like the yeah. historical character that Hamilton has. And we like to preserve that as much as possible. Yeah. Um, so looking at it, we did do the double windows, right? So it's not like we put big ginormous, uh, yeah. casement windows in, in, uh, yeah. so we, but we did just do a double. Yeah. Single, like a single hung. Yeah. 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 So that yeah. maintains some element of that character. Cause that's traditional yeah. of the neighborhood, but it, it would have been nice to do the cross, on oh something. yeah now yeah. you don't need those are just you know extras at that point but I, you know i like it when every once in a while you got a property you're like this is the property i'm going to splurge on i'm going to do everything the way it should be so yeah you know you guys fully got it re-insulated it new plumbing everything new came plumbing, out every like, yeah, literally every last piece yeah, yeah every last piece comes out and uh and then you're working with with something that uh that is essentially a new house yeah so did you waterproof the basement yep yeah waterproofed yeah. it like did all the things that you're supposed to do because you yeah. you would probably get water in that basement, right? It's all it's uh, was it fieldstone or was it? Yeah, it's fieldstone. Yeah, yeah so there was actively water coming yeah, through. Yeah, so like water's just points. they 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 say that they weep, right? Like yeah. you're just always going to have water come in. So if you can catch it on the inside, and drain it out. That's yeah, we're going to be able yeah. to solve some of that with grading. Yeah. Um, and just some of the and that's a note to the viewers as well. Is a lot of the times it can be solved yeah. with grading. Yeah, like your biggest culprits for the water, and I've obviously said this before, but yeah, trees around your place and then, you know, not taking the downspouts away from the house. But yeah. trees are the biggest because if your eaves troughs fill up and plug, then water dumps down the side of your house sure, and now you got water in the basement. Yeah, we so we had yeah. a landscaper too uh, that was out there doing some work. Um, and while he was there, uh, we had him put some big O pipe out to the street from the one main downspout. 
Yeah. So we're rerouting that out of the tiling. Yeah. Getting right? it away and from getting the house. Getting it out away, way away from the house, like yeah. at least 10 feet away out onto the street, right? Yeah. So we're going to be doing that with, with all of them. And that's a great way to, a lot of water problems come from that, right? Mm-hmm. Improper grading the and the the tile being broken or not being yeah. not draining properly right well those old clay tiles like the houses that had the eaves troughs dropping into the clay tiles like they would often have plugs and breakages underneath the ground and uh generally they just were considered to not be uh effective yeah. at getting water away and then if you're just dumping water down next to your foundation that kind of sucks yeah you're just asking <laughs> for trouble right <laughs> so not, not really the way you want it yeah um, we yeah we waterproofed through some pit in yeah and so you did it all. Like, okay, so let's get into some of these these numbers because this yeah. sounds like a really nice place. Like this is the type of place that I would want to hold in my portfolio long term. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's why we went. Uh, so when we were proje- when we were doing our projections, like the initial breakdown of the project, we knew that this was going to be something that was going to cash flow pretty well. Right? Yeah, not something we're going to ever really want to get rid of. Right, it's going to be a golden goose in the portfolio. So yeah. we went above and beyond on a lot of things on it. Well, and it's affordable housing for for people, right? You've got a variety yeah. of sizes of units, so you have super small units for those with a really low budget, and then yeah. you've got bigger units in there. Um, there's quite a bit of space overall, right? Even your basement's probably what 500, 600 square feet. Yeah, it's about five hundred square feet. Yeah, yeah. The, the actual unit itself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's gorgeous. Yeah, like a really nice. House. What's the what's the ceiling height there? So ceiling height is, uh, it's gotta be close to, it's about seven feet in the seven one, feet. in the one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the raised section. So someone had actually, uh, dug and underpinned a section of the basement already. Yeah. And that's where the living room and, uh, bedroom set. Okay. And then we did on the portion where it wasn't, that's where we put the kitchen. Now I can still stand up comfortably yeah. in that kitchen. And you're pretty tall. You're like, yeah. Yeah. He's six, one, six, six three. Yeah. So we oriented the the one counter to come over that edge and create okay. a bar. All right. So now they have a built-in bar for dining. Very cool. And it it just kind of works with the heights yeah. in the basement. Really interesting. Again, if you if you remember, send me these pictures. Yeah. And I will I will overlay them. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I'm not over promising and under living. Yeah, we're gonna here. we'll probably do a walkthrough video too with yeah. our, our videographer and whatnot. That'd be so, cool. Yeah. yeah. And then um, yeah, if you ever put that on YouTube or something, I can I can put a link in the description if somebody's listening to this down the road. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's crunch the numbers on this. What'd you buy for? Uh, four thirty five. What's the purchase price? All right. And then your renovations. It's and- going to be with servicing if, because we, it's expensive money that we did this with. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, 225. Yeah. yeah. 225. Yeah. So including carrying costs. Including carrying costs. Yeah. All right. So that's purchase and renovation for 660,000. Yeah. Including your carrying. Okay. So uh, your, your new value on this, what do you figure your value uh, is? 900. 900. Yeah. So yeah. for those who haven't heard the, um, Sandy McKay uh, yeah. talked about this style of building as well as uh, his his partner Adrian. Adrian, yeah, they yeah. they both uh, do this this style of of property. They were probably looking at this too, yeah, <laughs> uh, but they didn't get it. Um, no. All right, so so just looking at those numbers, if if you do happen to get eighty percent of your new nine hundred valuation, which we already have the mortgage approval for, so you have the mortgage approval, you just need the appraisal to confirm yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, so we're just so, putting a bow on it, and then we'll probably get, be getting it appraised hopefully before New Year's. Okay. Um, and then refi it. So you're in for 660, new value 600 or 900. You'd be getting a new mortgage of 720,000 and pulling out 60,000 on top of all the money you've got in. Yeah. So you're getting paid 60 grand to keep the property, uh, which is the way we want to invest when we're, <laughs> then we just got to find a place for the money. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's, I don't have an issue doing that. Though, yeah. As Mitchell will tell you. Yeah. I'll help you out. I'll take some of it. For yeah, me. Exactly. Don't worry. Uh, okay. So what are your, what's your rent role going to look like here? Uh, so we're predicting, so we actually have already tenants for the basement and loft unit. Um, okay. Now that one's going to be inclusive utilities at twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. So the twelve hundred for the basement. Twelve hundred for the basement. Twelve hundred for the the loft. Okay. All right. Okay. So twenty four hundred there, and then on the main floor, it's going to be probably fifteen sixteen hundred. So one bedroom. Okay, we'll say fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred then... plus utilities. Okay. And then the second floor, we're aiming for sixteen fifty, probably seventeen hundred, for a one bedroom. We'll say say you're gonna get your seventeen hundred. Okay, so gross yeah. gross rents is gonna be fifty six hundred. So the and I I should probably explain why the second floor one bedroom unit is gonna rent for seventeen hundred. Um, it has a over top of the porch. There's a really nice office sunroom mm-hmm. type thing, right? Okay. And then the bedroom has a large walk-in closet. 
Okay. Uh, and then the bathroom's also huge, and it has a huge yeah. walk-in shower and everything. So, just a so we're going to be unit. looking for, yeah. like, uh, sort of executive tenants on that one. Cool, right. man. Yeah. All right. So let's let's crunch some more numbers here. So taxes, what do you figure you're going to be into? Uh, once MPAC figures out that <laughs> we've run out it, um, I don't know. I think it'll probably be, I would say, 350 a month, 400 okay. probably. Okay, so if it's four hundred a month, that's forty eight hundred yeah. in a year. Okay, um, insurance. What do you? You're probably in almost three grand. Uh, we have it bundled with other other properties in our portfolio, so it's about, it's going to be about one fifty. Okay, so one fifty times twelve. That's you're kidding me. Eighteen hundred. That's pretty dang. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Now that's like so. It's 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 offset by other. Yeah. Okay. I, I try the same. I haven't haven't done quite that well, but that's it's not student rental use either, so that kind of no, helps. Exactly. Uh, all right. So maintenance. What do you want to budget here for that? So I'll generally budget. Uh, so it's on a new build, and this kind of goes into lending, right? Um, but on a on if something's freshly renovated like this, I'll probably budget two percent. Two percent. Okay. Right, on maintenance, yeah. I'm gonna budget five. But okay. <laughs> now I also do a structural reserve, uh, like a capital expenditure yeah. reserve. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I try and build them in. So sometimes I'll even go to ten percent, just 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 account for that future roof job coming, that future furnace replacement. Yeah. You're doing it all right now, so I totally get the the intention to just kind of minimize it because yeah, at the end of the day. Yeah, like I do on this. So on this particular project, if I'm running numbers, I would do 2% on maintenance and like a 4% mm-hmm. structural reserve. Okay. So right? we'll just, we'll just call it a 6% then yeah. to include like kind of your capital expenditure upgrades and your, your annual maintenance. Um, okay. So then utilities we're going to have, let's kind of break it down. You're going to have uh, water for the whole house, yeah. which is probably going to be like 150 a month. You think? Yeah, probably 150 times 12. Uh, and then you're going to have gas for the water heaters, yeah. which may be going to be 75 bucks a month. I'd say that's probably reasonable. And that's one common meter, right? Yeah. So th- to me, this is a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, Reliance will rent you a, a ginormous on-demand water heater for $43 a month or something like that. Okay. And it's... And it's servicing all four serving units? All, servicing all four units. All right. Did you right. have to upgrade the size of your water service coming into the house? No, it was three quarters. Three quarters already. Enough? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got 75 times 12. We've got 150 times 12. And then we're going to have two electrical services for two units that are on your dime. So yeah, we'll it's call one them. service on on that. Okay. One service for the up and the lower. Yeah. And then common. Okay. So probably, what do you want to figure? Like 150, 180? I think, I think 150 is probably reasonable because so, okay. the stoves in those units are gas. All right. So yeah. we'll do 150 times... 12 and we also have a common laundry room uh so we might want to account for some of that but that i i would just have that consider that offset by the uh laundry income oh you have laundry income yeah we're gonna be putting coin machines in there all right so we won't even mention that for now so i mean i'm coming up with about 4500 a year in utilities yeah Time will tell if that's enough. I mean, say your worst case, you're at 5,000. Again, you'll have to kind of see how it, how it plays out. Uh, are you budgeting anything for management or you're just doing it yourself? Like if I um, if I was proposing this to someone, I would, I would budget <laughs> you would it for it, management. Yeah. Um, so I would put in like an 8% management figure just gotcha. to come up with a real NOI, right? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. I mean, we can always throw that in after. I'm just I'm trying to get an assessment. Uh, it'll be of self-managed. Yeah, though. self-managed. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, I'm a five-minute drive away from the property. Lawn right? cutting and snow removal. Um, I, I'll, I'll likely get uh, that hired out. It'll probably be, I would consider it about 100 bucks a month. Yeah, that's right? what I budget. So 1200 a year. Yeah. Okay, and then I just like to throw in 500 miscellaneous. It's a very small lawn, though. <laughs> yeah, very small. So it's more snow. Is, it's is more the big snow. Thing. That's yeah. the concern. And that yeah. being said, I'm I'm partial to in, uh, uh, writing that into people's leases. Yeah. Right. So I hear you. if if it's your parking spot, it's your obligation mm-hmm. to clear it. Um, right, and I do that too. So I have a I have a duplex where I do that. So I've sectioned up the lawn in the lease. Like this part's yours. This part's the other guy's. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that does actually work quite well. Yeah. You know, you've got a, you've got a spot, they've got two spots, you know, clear your spot, clear your laneway. Done. Yeah. And this person clears the front, this person clears the yeah. back, right? Yeah, so that works. So simple. so that's something you could probably manage to outsource. All right. Let's let's break down your your financial uh your your loan numbers here. So, 900,000 
uh, valuation. Yeah. That cap rate. So based on your operating income of 48,000 here, what I've got, I have a 3% vacancy in here as well. Yeah. That's um, uh, reasonable. Okay. And I've got a, f- a 5.37 cap rate, which no one really gets these days. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's always cool. And then your debt coverage ratio. Is this that is with for, the management? Uh, no management no in management, there. Yeah. So if you want to so see not, how that, yeah. if you want to see how that, uh, that equates, if you did an 8% management, then your cap rate is going to be down to 4.78, which I think is more reasonable. Now yeah. people will buy it. People will pay four, a 4.78 cap. Yeah. Um, in that price point is where it gets tougher because then less people have the ability to buy something in that mm-hmm. price range. They don't have the down payment saved up, but yeah. um, it's still totally doable, but let's just go at your real numbers here. So what kind of mortgage are you rate are you getting? So that's what I was just about to pull up is the like approval. Two point two or something. I think it's a two one five. Two one one five. Okay. Uh, Thirty year. Let's just see here, Ashton. Yeah, shout out to Ashton and Josh from uh, Synergy. <laughs> okay. It's a five year. At, it's two point. Doesn't even have it here. It just has the payment. I think two point twenty seven hundred is the twenty seven hundred is your payment. Yeah. So it sounds like you're around two point one then. Yeah. Yeah. So you know you're around two point one five. Yeah, I, 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 think, getting, I think it's around two point one five. Yeah. I'm getting uh, twenty seven twelve. So yeah. so at uh, two point one five, that's a twenty seven twelve a month payment. Your cash flow on that bad boy is uh, thirteen seventeen according to these numbers yeah and uh, actually you know if if you maintain it well and you don't get any uh, vacancy you're going to do even better than that yeah and uh no it, vacancies and if there's no man uh, no, no significant maintenance, maintenance. Like i mean yeah. yeah like we've got a four thousand dollar buffer in here for maintenance that might come up but if you don't turn over i just i realize that the maintenance numbers i put in are not actually going to happen most years yeah it's just for the year that it does happen well That's exactly all. right yeah. and it's it's about painting an accurate picture yeah. of, of the property of how that property performs yeah, yeah. There's, one of my pet peeves is when you'll you'll see an agent that posts a whether a building or a house or yeah. something and then they'll say oh it's a uh, a five cap right oh yeah and then they that. send me the numbers and it's like there's no maintenance there's no management <laughs> yeah. there's none of this yeah you right? can't do that when you're selling a property but yeah. the thing is I say you can't do that. If people buy it, then I guess they can do that. You can, but <laughs> I just get a little perturbed when they call it NOI yeah. when it's not really the NOI. It's not true. Right? Yeah, it's it's misleading, but I guess it's just frustrating for us real estate investors that have you know cash flow standards that we we yeah. insist upon. Uh, but it's part of the game we play, I, I suppose. So so yeah. now what I've noticed is a very clear distinction that realtors do not care about cap rates in Hamilton. It, it is simply about number of doors. And they're yeah, pricing and price per door. They're yeah. pricing price per door now because they know that the cap rates are absolute trash. Yeah, uh, and they understand that investors are willing to pay, so they just stop talking about cap rates. Well, yeah, and and in a market like Hamilton, where you have a lot of buildings that are severely under rented, when you are marketing these properties, you're anticipating future value. Right? Yeah, so it's so, all it's it's turned in completely to future value. But the challenge yeah. with that is, it's the person that buys it that's taking all the risk to add the value. But again, in, a, in our market where there's such a short supply of, of homes for sale, homes for rent, yeah. there's just so many people willing to buy. So that's the market we're in. Yeah. We just got to play that game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so looking at these, these numbers, breaking them down a little further, I've got a 3% appreciation in here. Obviously, we've done better than that. You're probably going to do better than that. Yeah. Uh, pay down on an annual basis about $18,000 on your mortgage. And then your cash flow on, a ba- on an annual basis is just short of 16000 uh, so that's $61,000 in return on an annual basis. And we can't calculate a return on investment because you don't have one. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty solid. I think we should, like, there should be an acknowledgement of the time that we did put into yeah, it. Yeah, so there right? is an investment. Yeah. Like, if like you, Mitchell has worked very yeah. hard on that house. And right? for no and, pay, right? Well, exactly. Hey, guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of very important local businesses to me. As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it. So there's two specific businesses I wanted to give a shout out to. This is a completely unpaid promotion. They didn't ask me to do this, but I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful. Uh, So one is New York, New York Men's Grooming Lounge here in Burlington, Ontario. I always see Sergio every month. Uh, They do a fantastic job. Their atmosphere there is fantastic. There's usually some Frank Sinatra playing in the background. Um, They're a great establishment, even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat. It really is a lounge and social uh, location, which is just such a unique concept in today's market. Really like those guys. I really want to see them succeed. 
If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk, I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain, and I'd go to Dr. Mike, and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here, and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering. I've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes. Please show them support if you see fit. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So every every investor is going to approach this differently. Um, but at the end of the day, like it, it's all how you want to analyze properties and as long as you're being consistent. But yeah, if you really wanted to say what's my return on investment? It's just not in dollars. It was in time. Well, exactly. And, and right? you could convert. You could say anything I put time in, I'm billing myself out on paper at 40 an hour or 50 an hour or 100 an hour. And I want to make a return based on that. So you could say, well, we've got a thousand hours at a hundred bucks an hour or whatever yeah. in. And we put that in your, you know, instead of in lieu of a down payment, we could just, we could just put that in. So, well, and Mitchell and I are very cognizant of that too. Like what is our time worth? And we, yeah. we each have our numbers and, and, um, we're, we kind of hold each other to that where if we can pay someone to do something for, for less than what our time is worth spending doing it, yeah. then we're doing that all day long. But yeah. the issue is, is that there's certain things on, on projects where it's still not worth paying someone to do something. Yeah. Right? I gotcha. Like, so for instance, on Saturday, we were up and on our, on the roof putting a vent in. Yeah. It took Mitchell and I, um, less than an hour to put two roof vents in. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know who we could have paid less than $500 right. to do that. So you're saying, yeah, just because it's a small, small job. I mean, so if you wanted to look at it and say, like I said, a hundred, if you were a hundred bucks an hour is how you value your time. And the two of you have a thousand hours into that project. Yeah. Um, that's a hundred thousand dollar investment. So if you add that to land transfer and, and your legals to buy it, yeah. uh, it's $116,000 in, and you can call that your sweat labor. So then your return calculated on that is 52%. Yeah. Exactly. Return on investment. So exactly. Which it, is still great. It's still great. Right. So, <laughs> so for anyone who didn't follow that, fear not, like you don't need to go, you know, go into that. That's, you know, it's a little bit more of a sophisticated look at your return. Yeah. But uh, I think that that's a valid. I think it's important though for people to look at, p- yeah, look at it like you that. You have right? to value Everyone your time. Everyone should be looking at their time yeah. as, as, unless it's something you're doing as a leisure activity. And I always, yeah. I always qualify this, right? Leisure is different. If it's yeah. something that you enjoy doing, right? Like cutting the grass, for instance, that's something I actually enjoy doing. Like if it's a peaceful experience it's for cathartic. you for me yeah. right call um so i don't i don't approach it in that sense yeah. but if it's something that i'm trading my my if time you hate for doing it yeah 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 so it does if it recharges you that's different exactly right? yeah so i I'm, I'm with you there and i i like to evaluate it from this standpoint like i've done some work myself but i wanted to um, and I occasionally do really enjoy doing the work myself, but, uh, I always look at it. What could I pay somebody else to do this for? Bookkeeping is something that yeah. we're, we're doing. We're going to be hiring a, a part-time yeah. bookkeeper this coming year because Mitchell and I both hate it. Yeah. See, if you hate it, you got to right. acknowledge that, right? Yeah. And, um, Tony Robbins said something. I was on a conference or something one time. He said something, the biggest lie that, that our generation has been told is that you need to focus on the things that you're bad at and improve at those. Yeah, yeah, you should, you should right? get rid of those things. If you're bad at something, find out a way to get someone that's good at it to do it for you. Yeah, and focus right? on your strengths. And, and focus on your strengths because that's really when you're going to excel, yeah. right? Yeah, and I, I, I see two sides to that because on one hand, I have this, and I don't mean to sound pessimistic, view of humanity that we've all become quite useless because we have Amazon <laughs> that delivers to our door. And, uh, you know, I... I would love to see us get back to, uh, you know, people can actually do things and build yeah. things with their hands. And, and I think that's important for me. Like, I want to do that. But I agree with you. If, if, if you're just not resonating with something that you're doing, why push that? Yeah, like, exactly. Find, find somebody else to do it. Um, great advice. Sometimes easier said than done. But no, great advice. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of uh, <laughs> violating that too, right? Well, you have to have trust for somebody that they're going to do it better for you. I mean, I think I was blessed in the fact that I had no significant experience in hands-on renovations. Because I never really felt inclined that I should be the one doing them. That's the uphill battle Mitchell and I are fighting right now. Because you guys are pretty good at it. Because we can can do everything ourselves, right? Yeah. So it's it's been a a learning process over the past year and hearing other uh, people that I've networked with and mentors being like, why are you doing that? 
right? Yeah. Like what, <laughs> what are you stop. doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. All right. So I don't want to, I don't want to um, run out of time here to, to talk yeah. about um, lending. Cause so one of the things we talked about when you first showed up for one of these meetups was that you worked, you do work for BMO yeah. at, at the moment and that you do commercial lending. I do. Yeah. And we talked about this and you kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities of how if I, so normally commercial applies if you have five doors or more, right? Yeah. But you said, well, if you had a triplex and a duplex, well, there you go. Now you've got five doors. We can, we could actually finance those commercially. Yeah. Uh, could you explain for us the difference between commercial and residential financing? Yeah. So um, commercial finance uh, with commercial financing, a lot of people are like, oh, you, it no longer matters what you what you make personally. Right. Yeah. That's not necessarily true. I'd say that's a bit of a misconception. But the primary focus is still on the pro- property. Right. We look at you because we want to make sure that you're still going to be able to you're not going to be relying on that specific property. Yeah. The, the big thing is you don't need the property to pay for your living. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So the banks typically uh, when you get into commercial commercial lending, they look at the debt servicing figure. Right. Yeah. So a good benchmark for residential uh, real estate is 1.2 or 1.25. Yeah. Right. So uh, in just so everyone knows, we it's under the commercial lending division, but we're, you still lend on residential properties. So it yeah. could be multi-residential falls under commercial commercial lending division. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the differentiation there. So normal residential is like retail banking to go into like the normal you know branch of BMO and ask yeah. for a mortgage in your home. Uh, those people in the bank would not touch, you know, an aplex. No, exactly. That would be in yeah, your department. Yeah, because there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of rules rules yeah. surrounding that, and there's also yeah. a capital allocation. Like, yeah. they need to be allocating it based on the type of assets that they're financing and whatnot. Okay. So, but with the debt servicing ratio, that's your debt servicing commitments. So your mortgage payments. Yeah. Over your income. Or your, your income, income over, over your income debt, over debt service. So in this yeah. case, for the example with Austin's, you know, if they wanted to apply a debt coverage ratio, we would take his $48,000 of operating income. So that's his rents, less all his expenses and the vacancy and the maintenance. Um, and then we divide that by his annual mortgage payments, which are 32000 mm-hmm. And we get a 1.48 debt service ratio. So yeah. 1.48 to 1. So now, meaning, is that with um, management? No, if we want to throw the yeah. management in, because this this is where the bank, the bank won't accept that I manage it myself. Well, they're exactly. going to yeah. build a number in for you. So we're going to throw 8% in there. So yeah. with management, um, Austin, you still qualify. You, you're at 1.32 debt service ratio. Exactly. And that's so, good. Right? So you're at a really good number. Most people buying most rental properties today are not even able to hit the 1.2. Yeah, and that's the difficulty with with a lot of um, multifamily uh, purchases that are going on right now, right? So yeah. you'll have people that are purchasing at a at a very compressed cap rate, like three point five percent, based on current cash flows, right? And I think you're being generous. I think yeah. people are buying less. I think yeah. people are buying in the twos, yeah, which is insane. Yeah, exactly. So you have people that are that are just fighting to get these projects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're buying at insanely low cap rates, and then they have to go to a lender and and try to get financing for that when lenders yeah. thresholds generally 1.2 right, right? when there's some wiggle room based on a lot of different things but but what the lender's going to do if you don't if you don't make their ratio is they just keep cutting back the loan amount until yeah. you do make it yeah and before you know it you're putting down 50% yeah cuz most lenders they're going to they're going to look at, at um they'll have a, a loan to value a standard loan to value for the asset yeah. class right and then the 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 value that they apply that percentage to so say it's 75 percent right mm-hmm. on a large multifamily uh the value that they apply 75 percent to is going to be the lesser of the purchase price um the appraised value yeah right or the sale sale price or purchase price in the last 12 months okay right Okay, so if you bought it eight months ago and want to come back and refinance, they're going to say, "Well, no, you just bought it for less." Yeah, they don't do that with the residential side. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, so they won't give it to you even if you appraise way higher. They won't give it to you. They won't give you that. Generally, higher. that's that's like a rule of thumb. Yeah. Okay. At least at least where with, where I yeah, work with yeah. BMO. Yeah. Um, so, but what what I'm trying to say though is that there's going to be oh sorry one of the other one is a cash flow test right and that's okay. the debt servicing. Right. Yeah. So they'll apply that 1.2 multiple yeah. to the income and just work it backwards. Yeah, they'll figure this is the right. most mortgage will give you. So it's not yeah. it's not specifically that they're pulling back uh, 
to a certain loan of value. They're just pulling back until you now meet the 1.2 debt coverage. Exactly, right? Yeah, so for anyone who's not following this super easily right now, go to my website and grab the cash flow sheet. It actually calculates debt coverage ratio, so you can actually see that. And that's an excellent sheet that you've put together there. Thank you. Yeah, so I mean, I know banks have their own internal one, but back when I worked in commercial sort of underwriting in this office with with ProFunds, I... um, I kind of perfected the sheet they were working with. I'm like, okay, this is what we're going to send. Yeah. Um, so, so as a broker, you would send it to the bank and, and still as an investor too, right? If you're applying for a, if you're dealing directly with the bank, you still want to prepare your numbers in a sheet and send it off to the bank. Yep. If you're, if you're trying to get commercial lending and uh, they're going to come back and they're going to apply their own, you know, yeah, so I would have my number. own spreadsheet. Yeah, uh, like in the bank will have their own number. They'll say like eight hundred dollars a door or five hundred dollars a door for maintenance. Like they have they have set yeah. numbers. So every bank's a little bit different in terms of what specific numbers they're going to apply. Yeah, we'll have like percentage yeah. guidelines for different yeah. things. But this is why it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the the true calculation of NOI because if someone's marketing the property, at yeah. an NOI figure that isn't real. Yeah, someone's going to have to go to the bank and the bank's right. going to apply an 8% vacancy. They're going to apply a 4% structural reserve, a 4% maintenance, right? Yeah. Okay. So not so they, 8% vacancy, 8% management, sorry. 8% management. Market yeah, exactly. Vacancy, right? right. They're going to do like CMHC vacancy yeah. rates. They're going to do all that stuff. So, so it's one thing like and what I do on this show is I calculate returns for my use, you know, yeah, how I look exactly. at the property. Uh, I know that the bank doesn't necessarily care about what I'm doing here. But if I was submitting it to the bank, I would put it set it all up correctly. Exactly. But my argument to a realtor who's got something overlisted, I would you know, I might say it might have said this a couple of years ago. Now I'm just wasting my breath. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the bank won't won't give me 75 uh, percent. The nice part of that is, I mean, there are there are only so many investors out there that can afford to put 50 percent down on something. So if something is seemingly overpriced um, this is where people who understand private money and can come in and, yeah, and increase the exactly. rents in the interim can actually really win so exactly. knowledge is power in this this case is, is well if it's, if it's applied knowledge yeah so like a good example of that is uh, mitchell and i we have a, an upcoming project uh okay. in simcoe it's in i don't know if we have time for to get into yeah i mean yeah. give me the give me the nuts and bolts yeah it's okay so it's a eight eight unit office space right now ten thousand square foot building okay so it's all offices yeah. Okay. And it's severely under rented and the tax bill is insane and it's just not man- being managed properly. So the issue with that is, is that if we were trying to finance based on the income on that, the income each year is $5,000, right? A year? A year. The net income. Not, not monthly. No, the net income is like $5,000. Oh, wow. Because it's 50% vacant, extremely under rented. And yeah. the, the landlord currently is spending $30,000 yeah. in tax and not pushing that onto any yeah. of the tenants, right? Right. So your play would be you go in using private money or alternative financing yeah. where people will look at the asset value and say, I understand you can't service right now, but you're working towards something. Exactly. The bank is not in that business. They want the rented asset that's ready to go, that's cash flowing, and yeah. it can service itself. So it, yeah. And it can be like, I think we might be looking at Meridian for this because the, yeah. they have they like to play in the um, construction space. So they'll right? finance your construction. Yeah, yeah. They'll finance the construction with an acknowledgement that the current rents aren't representative of what's right, going right. to be. Yeah happening going forward right yeah um so but it's about and that's where you can win at at a three and a half cap on the purchase right Mm -hmm. is having a plan for how to kind of increase the noi right it's all that's the name of the game and if you understand your cap rates go work it backwards like if you're if you know that that market is at a four cap well if you can add a hundred dollars a month in income that's thirty thousand dollars on the value yeah yeah, so so every dollar you you are adding to income actually makes a difference, and yeah. and I love when you can break down values into a mathematical formula like that. It makes it real uh, a lot more straightforward. And that's the name of the game with commercial. Yeah. Honestly, is is valuations are really based always on based on appraiser is going to look at it the same way. They're going to say, "What are your rents?" And the yeah. appraiser is going to give you a more favorable if they because they use what you can get as rent as part of the justification for their value. Well, yeah. exa- exactly, yeah. right. And th- there is a, c- a comparable component to when they are doing income sure. income valuations because the typical way that, that appraisers reach a cap rate to apply is based on a comparable cap rate uh, method, right? Right, yeah. So they'll look at what comparable commercial properties are selling for, like what their cap rate is yeah. that they're selling for, and then they'll establish a cap rate for that area. So for mm-hmm. instance, the property that we're looking at there, I just happen to know that that the current cap rate in that market is about 7%. For commercial retail. For commercial office space. Office right? space, okay. Now that cap rate's going to improve a little bit because we're actually converting the second floor into residential. 
right? Okay, so and, there's a better cap rate for that. Yeah, and you've so, already worked this out with the municipality. They're good with it. Yep, yep. Yeah. So it's in the it's in a community business development zone downtown. They want environmental studies to convert it. Uh, the lender will probably want to want to. So you're going to get so into we're, that. We're so probably going to get for a just phase a phase one. one. Yeah, the building occupies yeah. basically 95 percent of yeah. the lot. So, and the rest is concrete. And I doubt that there's any historical uses there that would have compromised yeah. the... So if there's no reason to believe there's any any further contaminants, yeah. they would just say air test. If there's no known visible or no air test uh, substances that they're worried about, they'll just say, okay. Yeah. 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 Or do they even do the air, air test in phase one? I'm not 100% sure, actually. I think they do. I but, think they would because it's, yeah. non, it's non-invasive. Yeah, because um, phase one, so for anyone wondering, uh, environmental is something the lender requires because they want to make sure that they're not buying something that's contaminated yeah. th- or lending, lending on. against. Yeah, because yeah. then it has a compromised value. So in the municipalities, when you convert use, they'll also want it. They'll require you to do a test to make sure you're not poisoning residential tenants or anything like well, that. Well, exactly, right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a good thing to, and I say this to my clients too, if they're buying a building, right, is it's a good thing to just get the phase one done because of the nature of liability with environmental contamination yeah it goes it's one thing that like a a corporation doesn't protect you from uh like directors can be responsible yeah of of corporations can be responsible if if you didn't exercise a duty of care exactly yeah so yeah you want to have good insurance and it doesn't matter if you were the person that that did it either yeah if it's a previous owner three Mm -hmm. three owners ago right it's still yeah. your responsibility to clean it up right? because you own the property right now. And this is why lenders take a very serious approach to environmental due, due diligence yeah. is because if they have a charge over the property and you were to default on the mortgage, um, they have to take possession of that property then. Yeah. And then they're, right? they're liable. And if the, if, if the property is dirty, they, the, yeah. the lender could just have a dirty property on their hands. That's not worth anything. Yeah. Right. I know of properties where lenders just haven't exercised uh, mm-hmm. their right to take over the property yeah, because it's, it's or so dirty. they're worried about it's it. It's so yeah. dirty. So they just let it go. They just wrote it off. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? I, I've never heard of that, but that, that does make sense. Um, yeah, just not to get too far down the rabbit hole here, because I know we've gotten into nuts and bolts, and I think this is so valuable. Uh, but just to recap, so the benefit of people taking this commercial financing route. So you're still in the big banks, but you're dealing with different people. They're not in the residential retail uh, side of things. Yeah, um, It's probably a phone number that you're going to call, somebody that you're going to get referred to. Yeah. You're going to speak with them. And now all of a sudden, it, it, they're more looking at you for net worth and competency. They're treating you like a business. Yeah. They're looking at the assets and how they produce. And they're going to secure on those assets. But but now it's no longer five properties max, 10 properties max. It's as long as you can meet these guidelines, it's as many as you want. And you and, and as long as you're competent as a as a borrower manager. Exactly. Like banks want to see that you're capable of doing what you're what you say mm-hmm. you're going to do. Right. They want to see a good track record. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, most Schedule A banks aren't, aren't super interested in construction uh, financing. And yeah. if they are, it's it's pretty tedious to go through like yeah. with prog- progress draws and, and whatnot. But if you're a, a, a successful operator that has a, a strong track record, yeah. um, if you want to just keep purchasing properties, yeah. then, then they're going to support you through that. Yeah. For instance, like they might they might do construction lending under commercial. Yeah. And if they saw me apply, they'd say, well, you have a track record in, in construction. You clearly know what you're doing here. So, you know, we, they're more inclined to deal with me because yeah, of my, back, because my of track, track record. record. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like you'd never get to ask those questions buying a rental property in the bank. No. But uh, that's where it starts to change. But as real estate investors, this is a business. And yeah. I think that the sooner we realize, hey, there, there's many different financing, op- financing options, we need to have them in our toolkit. And that's one of them. I, I really do think so. Yeah, it's, it's important to be aware of everything that you, ha- that you have access to um, and then also know when to use it, yeah. right? Because Absolutely. if you're purchasing a property that, that you're buying at a three and a half cap, yeah. right? And you plan on turning it over and whatnot, your first avenue of financing likely isn't going to be a schedule one bank. Yeah. Right. It's probably going to be an alternative lender Yeah, that is going to get on board with the fact that you're buying it at a, at a negative cash flow from day yeah. one. Right. But they know that you're capable and, they and know you're going to you're it, gonna yeah. be turning it and then you're able to transition over. Yeah. Where do people reach you if they want to want to follow up with you? Uh, so you can reach me on Instagram. It's Austin, A-U-S-T-I-N dot Mulder, M-U-L-D-E-R. 
And then uh, through there, you can also find um, our M&A property investments uh, Instagram page. Okay. So that's kind of where we post what Mitchell and I are, are, are cool. getting up to. Been a little slow on Instagram lately. Work has been yeah. very busy and as well as all the projects that are going on. But yeah, if you reach out to me, um, I love talking about everything real estate. So I'm yeah. always available to anyone that has any questions. Cool, man. Yeah, it'd be uh, interesting to check out some of those photos. I I haven't, yeah. I haven't taken a look recently. I, I've been bad with my Instagram. So anyways, yeah. <laughs> I need to like post. It, I, yeah, I know. It's uh, the the issue is, is making sure that what I'm doing on Instagram is productive. Productive. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we've got, uh, got your handle. Um, anything else you'd want to share kind of parting wisdom here uh, before um, we wrap up? Focus on... Uh, growing your network finding good mentors and reading a lot right yeah listen to andrew's podcast everything that you put out has so much value in it with all the guests that you're bringing out and it's it's super valuable because it's local so if you're investing in the ontario area then it's a it's a no-brainer you should be listening to it every week (laughs) cool man well thanks thanks for the uh, support appreciate it (laughs) all right well i appreciate you coming over today yeah thanks for having me Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to a couple of very important local businesses to me. As you know, this lockdown has been tough on everyone and small businesses have been taking the brunt of it. So there's two specific businesses I wanted to give a shout out to. This is a completely unpaid promotion. They didn't ask me to do this, but I wanted to give them a shout out because I think they're really important and I want to see them be successful. Uh, So one is New York, New York Men's Grooming Lounge here in Burlington, Ontario. I always see Sergio every month. Uh, They do a fantastic job. Their atmosphere there is fantastic. There's usually some Frank Sinatra playing in the background. Um, They're a great establishment, even if you just want to go in and have an espresso or have a beer and chat. It really is a lounge and social uh, location, which is just such a unique concept in today's market. Really like those guys. I really want to see them succeed. If you're looking for a fantastic men's haircut and grooming experience, I highly recommend them. The next one I wanted to give a shout out to is Dr. Mike White over at the Momentum Health Clinic in Hamilton. Dr. Mike has been able to help me many times over the years when I've hurt my back. He's a chiropractor, uh, so I'd be in a position where I couldn't even walk, I couldn't turn. Uh, I was in an agonizing pain, and I'd go to Dr. Mike, and usually I'm 100% better within a week. Now, I know it's a touchy thing with a medical service, so always, always, always consult with your medical professional before seeking any form of treatment. I just wanted to let you know my experience here, and I certainly think Mike White is worth considering. I've included the details for both of these contacts in my show notes. Please show them support if you see fit. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.